This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bashar al-Assad is a pretty famous face around the world and one that people are pretty familiar with. Most people know that he is the current president of Syria and has been so for the last 20 years. Now, what people don't know, not a lot of people at least, is that he and a large portion of the government in Syria belong to a secretive religious minority who are known as the Alawites. The Alawites are a religious minority that is situated primarily in Syria along the Mediterranean coast and on the inaccessible mountain Jebel Alawain or Jebel Nusayriya. They are sometimes also known as Nusayris, but both of these names can be derogatory and have political undertones, so be aware of that. I will be using them both, but with the sort of background knowledge of their very complex uh, history. It appears that the name Nusayris was the most common or universal name for this group prior to the 1920s, after which the name Alawites was uh, started to be used, but we'll return to this soon. It's also important to remember that the Alawites are not the same as the Alevis in Turkey, even if the names are very similar and they also share, share certain aspects that are similar. Uh, but aside from this, these are two very different distinct groups. 
They are a very secretive and esoteric group, which means that we know very little about their history or their teachings, even less so than a lot of the other religious groups that I've discussed in previous videos. There is also an ongoing debate as to whether the Alawites are a unique religion of their own or if they belong to Shia Islam, and there are different branches and schools within the Alawite religion, which makes this question a lot more complex and complicated as well. Despite this serious lack of information, there is some general information that recurs in descriptions of this community. Some state that it originated with the figure Muhammad ibn Nusayr al-Namiri, who lived in the 9th century in Iraq, and from which the name Nusayris derive. He is said to have been a student of the 10th and 11th Shia Imams of the 12er Shia branch, Ali al-Hadi and Hassan al-Askari. Where things become especially interesting is that Ibn Nusayr began to view himself as a kind of prophet, according to certain sources, and the two imams as being divine. He was given a revelation of sorts through al-Askari, which formed the basis of his new religion, one that distanced itself from Islamic law and practice. The movement was further established in Syria by Abu Abdullah al-Hussein ibn Hamdan al-Khasibi and especially in the early 11th century by Surur ibn Qasim al-Tabarani. The latter, al-Tabarani, is often considered the founder of the religion in Syria as he was able to convert a significant amount of people in the mountain area along the coast, which has since been the center for the Alawite religion. The beliefs and practices of the Alawites are very fascinating and unique. Remember, we know very little about their religion due to their very secretive nature. They have very rarely disclosed their teachings to outsiders or even to people within the faith itself. So we know very little. But from what we do know about their faith and their practices, it seems that this religion or this branch of Islam, however you choose to look at it, is uh, one that is very syncretic. So it contains elements from Islam and from Greek traditions like Neoplatonism and Gnosticism, as well as Christianity uh, and certain local Syrian pre-Islamic traditions as well. The most important book or scripture for Alawites is known as Kitab al-Majmu'ah, the book of the collection, which may have been authored by al-Tabarani, whom I mentioned, but some Alawites also claim that this book is a forgery, so we're not exactly sure. And those who emphasize their being part of Islam also point to the Quran as a very important scripture or book for the Alawites. In any case, a very common narrative regarding Alawite belief is that at the beginning of creation, the Alawites were lights that surrounded God and praised him. But after a revolt, they were punished by being sent down to earth in, earth, in, in physical bodies and to undergo the process of rebirth. So here already is a very unique aspect of this faith, is that they believe in the transmigration of the soul, or in other words, reincarnation. So according to this teaching, earthly life is seen in a very negative light, almost like a kind of punishment. And similar to religions like Hinduism, the goal of life then is to escape or be freed from this cycle of rebirths and re-enter heaven as stars of light. Perhaps the most central aspect of their religious beliefs and the one that has been 
probably the most controversial to Muslims, is their very unique relationship to Ali ibn Abi Talib, the cousin and son-in-law of the Prophet Muhammad, as well as the fourth caliph and first imam of the Shia Muslims. What is universally accepted is that they very much revere and hold Ali in a very high regard. But according to many sources, the relationship goes even further than that. It is claimed that a proclamation of faith of the Alawites is that I profess that there is no God but Ali. Indeed, it seems, according to scripture and the information that we have, that Ali is seen as God, or an incarnation or manifestation of God, according to at least many Alawites historically. Although those Alawites today that want to emphasize that they are part of Islam tend to reject this idea. In any case, it seems that Alawites believe that God has been incarnated or manifested seven times in history, but that no one really got the message until the last time. These incarnations are called Ma'ana, and when we look at who they are, the answer is pretty surprising. They are Abel, Seth, Joseph, Joshua, Asif, Peter, and lastly Ali. These all seem to be relatively secondary figures in the biblical and Quranic narratives. They are often associates of great prophets, but who were never great prophets themselves. And this, very interestingly, is because according to Alawite belief, every time God is incarnated in a human being, he also sends certain lower associates called Al-Ism, the name, or Al-Hijab, the veil, and Al-Bab, which means the gate. As you may have guessed at this point, al-ism or al-hijab are usually those who are considered great prophets and thus include Adam, Noah, Jacob, Moses, Solomon, Jesus, and Muhammad. These prophets are thus only foreshadowings who also veil and hide the true identity of God in his real manifestation. No wonder people never got the message. Each ma'ana, an ism or hijab, is also accompanied by a gate, al-bab, not all of which are known. But so, to take an example, in the last manifestation of God, in Ali, Ali then is ma'ana, God's manifestation, Muhammad is the veil or name which conceals Ali's true identity as God, and the gate, or al-bab, is Salman al-Farsi, who is thought to be the first Persian convert to Islam. So every time God has manifested himself, he does so through this kind of triad, the last and final of which was that of Ali. There are certain holidays and religious festivals or celebrations which we know of, which again showcases the uh, Alawites' uh, very sort of syncretic nature of this religion. One of these is known as Qudas, in which bread and wine is consumed, and it is thought that Ali is incarnated in the wine, which draws clear parallels to Christianity, obviously. Alawites can also celebrate Christmas, Nowruz, or Persian New Year, Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha, as well as Ashura. But these holidays have often been emptied of their existing contents and reinterpreted through Alawite belief. Alawites don't fast during Ramadan, for example, even if they do celebrate a festival called Eid al-Fitr. Also, Ashura, which is a Shiite day of commemoration of the death and martyrdom of Imam Hussein, is given a different flavor by Alawites as they don't actually believe that Hussein ever died on the battlefield, but that he went into spiritual occultation or hiding. Alawites don't seem to have a mosque or any specific place of worship, but instead tend to perform prayers at home. And it is said that these prayers are to be done five times a day, but this apparently isn't that strictly observed today. 
The Alawites have, since the Middle Ages, been very much contained or centralized to the coastal regions in Syria along the Mediterranean coast. Um, they have been a rather controversial group, as many Muslim scholars and jurists have considered them heretics or non-Muslims. For example, during Mamluk times, there appears to have been campaigns or efforts to convert the Alawites, who were then known as Nusayris, to Islam by f building mosques in the Alawite villages. On this topic, the very famous Muslim traveler and writer Ibn Battuta wrote a very interesting section about the group. Quote, Most who live in this coastal region belong to the Nusayri sect. It is they who believe that Ali is a god. They don't pray and they don't do the ritual ablutions. They don't even celebrate the month of fasting. Al-Malik Azahir forced them to build mosques in the villages, and they did build a mosque in every village, but far from their homes, and they neither use nor maintain them. They even keep their sheep and donkeys there. Sometimes, strangers come to their land and stop by a mosque and call to prayer. Then they may call to him and say, stop crying, you shall soon have your father. This sect is large in numbers. There appears to have been periods of great oppression during Ottoman times. Many, many of the uh, Alawite lands were confiscated and the Alawites were forced to work as poor farmers. After the rule of the Ottomans and under the rule of the French, the Nusayris or Alawites were given autonomy and was supported by the colonial masters. As is often the case, the colonial powers often supported minority groups in their bid to destabilize the region and create opposition to the Sunni majority. It is here in the 20th century that some of the most significant developments take place within this religious group. Many Nusaydis were so poor that they were forced to enlist in the military or work for the state in Syria, which begins their strong relationship with the government. At the same time, in the 1920s, the name Alawites was applied for the first time, whereas Nusaydis had been the common term prior to this. The name Alawi comes from the name of Ali, and the change can be said to be a way to convey their closeness to Shia Islam, partly to gain greater acceptance by other Muslims in the region, but also to stand in opposition to the Sunnis, which of course gladdened the French and British powers a lot. In fact, the question of their relationship or their status as Muslims or non-Muslims is a very contested issue and debate. There appears to have been in the 20th century a conscious effort on part of the Alawites themselves to move closer to Islam and Twelver or Ithna Ashri Shiism in particular. With the coup that resulted in Hafiz al-Assad becoming president of Syria in 1971, and as the constitution requires that the president be Muslim, there has been a campaign to prove that the Alawites are simply a branch of Twelver Shiism, something that many Shia and Sunni Muslim scholars have affirmed as true. But many also see this Islamization simply as a political strategy or tool. After the death of Hafiz al-Assad in 2000, his son Bashar al-Assad took over and is still the sitting president. The Alawites have a very strong presence in the politics of Syria today, with some estimates showing that maybe 80% of the Alawite population work in the government in some fashion. The question of their identity is one that is continuously debated. Many argue that the Alawites today can be divided into two branches, one that is called the Nusaydis and one that's called the Alawites. The Alawites being those who want to emphasize their closeness to Shia Islam, while the Nusaydis being those who sort of retain or, or, or preserve some of the more unique 
aspects historically of this religious group. One also sometimes divide the Alawites into three other branches, the Qamari, Murshidi, and Shamsi branches. For the Shamsis, the Prophet Muhammad has an equal, if not superior, role to Ali. The Murshids, on the other hand, are based on a movement started by Sulaiman al-Murshid, who in the 1920s claimed to be a prophet and raised an army to revolt against the Syrian state. The Murshidis seem to view Sulaiman al-Murshid as being divine somehow. And lastly are the Qamaris, who are in a majority, and these are the Alawites who seem to believe that Ali is God. Clearly, according to these divisions and this internal diversity, much of what I've said in this video is open for debate, and there appears to be differing viewpoints within the faith itself, so this is very important to remember. The Alawites are thus a diverse, fascinating, and very secretive religious minority group that we know very little about. They hold significant political power in Syria through the Assad family, and they have a long and complex history in this region. The question whether or not they are Muslims is not up to me to decide or answer, but as we've seen, there are many complexities and nuances to this debate that make it very complicated. I'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.